chapter 26. Let's all stand for the reading of God's word. And beginning in verse 17, down through verse 26. Proverbs chapter 26, beginning in verse 17. The Bible says, He that passeth by and meddleth with strife, belonging not to him, is like one that taketh a dog by the ears, as a madman who casteth firebrands, arrows, and death. So is the man that deceiveth his neighbor, and saith, Am not I in sport? Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth, as coals are to burning coals, and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Burning lips and a wicked heart are like a potsherd covered with silver dross. He that hateth dissembleth with his lips, and layeth up deceit within him. When he speaketh fair, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart, whose hatred is covered by deceit. His wickedness shall be showed before the whole congregation. May God bless his word. Let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you for this precious gathering of believers today in Upper Darby, and we just ask you to bless the word to us, feed us your heavenly manna. Uh, Lord, we want to grow. We understand that you've saved us to bring glory and honor to you so that we might be the best representation we can be of Christianity to a lost and dying world. Help us, Father, to demonstrate that in our love for the world, in our zeal for their souls, and in the way we treat one another as professing believers. And we ask your blessing today on the scriptures. And again, we lift up Ethan Ellis to you and ask you to touch his body and his mind. We pray for healing. Pray you give him strength. Pray that he would uh, look to you to get him uh, stronger and to uh, help him to overcome this and to grow from it. And we ask your blessing on this time, in Jesus' precious name, amen. And I am so thankful as a Christian for uh, when God saved me and called me into the ministry in the 1980s. I went to training through a Bible institute in Westchester and uh, made some friends that were lifetime friends. I had some wonderful moments as I was training to be a pastor uh, Ray Paget, who preached for me a few months ago, you got to meet him, and uh, several other men have just uh, our hearts have been knit together. And uh, one of the the men that was there, I will never forget. We're newly saved, we're on fire, and I remember him actually criticizing a hymn that he thought was quaint, a- and the name of the song was "It's Just Like Jesus," and he thought. And again, you know, this is not sacrilegious, but he's like, it's just like Jesus. You know, every time I sing that song, I can't help but think of my friend Mike 
And he was not dissing the song. It is, there's so many times. In fact, when I talk to Skip a lot, I think Skip will say something like, you know, it's just like the Lord to do that. And I'll start singing that song in my mind, you know. It's just like Jesus, you know. And uh, praise the Lord. It is just like Jesus to do so many things that he does. And he's so good to us. So let's go to Proverbs chapter 26. We are in the middle of a, of a message here. Uh, just real quickly, uh, many years ago, uh, my father-in-law uh, was was talking to me about ministry. I think it was when he started coming to church, and he got a feel for uh, what I do. And he just uh, somehow he made the comment. He says, "I don't know how you can do it, where people just constantly come to you with their problems." And I'd never considered that before. I stood back. In fact, I've been standing back and just kind of taking stock of that idea for years now. It's true when you're a pastor and. and in ministry, anyone that commits themselves to a local church and starts giving of themselves, you do walk with people, you enter into their problems, you help them just walk through life. That's part of the Christian life. And, and I remember as he said that, I thought, yeah, I do that, but it's, it's, that's really not too bad. It really isn't. That's, you know, that's, that's the blessing. But the more I thought on that, people and problems... The more I have, over decades now, sifted through and come to realize that there are people's problems. And by the way, anyone, if you're new to church and God has saved you and and you're on fire and you're going to get involved in other people's lives, remember that. People are going to have problems. You have problems. Don't forget that. You know, we all have problems. We walk with one another. And that's the blessing. Bear one another's burdens. So there's people's problems. And I've, the more I think on that, that is the easiest part of the job. Because I don't have to be sufficient. The Lord is sufficient. The second thing, which is a little more of a challenge, is people problems. And that's what we're talking about. We began last Sunday. We're going to talk about it. And then next week, Lord willing, is the third category. And that's been, I've discovered, much to my... Surprise, that's the toughest category. What is it? Stay tuned next week. (laughs) But for now, we're talking about people problems. So people's problems are just the problems that we struggle with. We all have them. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. And while your temptation may be different than mine, you know, as we're in the flesh, the flesh, us against the spirit, spirit against the flesh. These are the contrary, the one to the, the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. That settles that. I mean, that's, the, that's people's problems. Now, people problems can be a little more complicated because that's the problems we have with one another. And when you pastor a church, that can be a challenge sometimes when people don't follow proper procedure. In other words, they have a problem with someone and they violate the teachings of Jesus and the scriptures on how to deal with that. In fact, that's when we can lead into the third category that we'll talk about next week. So we're talking about people's problems, or people problems, excuse me, I've got to make that difference. So people problems, Jesus addressed it, and it was not anything new. In fact, we're looking at our text in Proverbs 25 and 26, which gave the Hebrew Old Testament, the Jews incredible insight on how to deal with problems with people. But Jesus 
made it even more clear. In Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 15, he said, If thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he will hear thee, thou hast gained a brother. That's the right, always that's the right step. That is the step of love. When you, when you love one another, and remember that's how the world's going to know that we're disciples of Jesus, if we have love one for another. So when we have a problem with someone, we go to them and we try to reconcile it with the goal of gaining a brother. If he will hear thee. But it's not always that simple. It'd be great if Matthew 18 only had one verse in this, and it was just verse 15, not verse 16 and 17. If it was just, if you have a problem, go tell your brother, you know, be reconciled and everything's good, and we all lived happily ever after. That'd be great. But it doesn't always work that way. And then, so verse 16, Jesus said, If he will not hear thee, Ah, miscommunication, remember that? He will not hear thee. Go and bring with thee one or two more, then in the mouth of every uh, in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. So you want to get someone else in and, and so many times it's so easy to violate this. We want to go to others first, which is not the route of love. To go to others first is the easier route, isn't it? But if you love someone, you go to them. If they won't hear you, then you bring someone else. And the idea is a witness. Remember we talked about that? Not an ally. Not someone that's already heard out your whole side. So now you can go gang up on the person. No, you're getting someone as an objective outside witness to hear the story fresh so they can give you their take. And so you're ready for that. And by the way, sometimes we have an offense. We get offended and it ends up being on our end. You ever have that? Oh, man. I'm the one that misunderstood. And when I went to you one-on-one, we couldn't work it out. It's because I'm so stubborn. You know, that can happen. And then Now, it'd be great if that worked out, but then there's a step three, and that is if he will not hear thee and doesn't hear the witnesses... Then you make it a public matter. That's the idea. Tell it unto the church. That's God's remedy. And so we've been talking about that. We're looking at Matthew, or excuse me, we're looking at Proverbs chapter 26. If you don't have your Bibles open there, you want to do that. Now here's, here's the challenge. When God saves us, He makes us part of the church. It's an English translation of the word ecclesia or ecclesia. And the idea is literally a called out assembly. When Jesus said, I shall build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, that's what he's doing. That's what he's doing now. He is building his church, calling out one person at a time and putting them into the assembly of believers. That's what the church, it's a compound Greek word, ek, kaleo, to call, to call out. That's what the church is. In fact, it's also translated elsewhere as just assembly. God is assembling people. That's the church. And God is growing us. Now, it's interesting. 
in the book of Ephesians and elsewhere, Corinthians, God uses various pictures of everyday life that we can relate to to communicate how he wants his body to work. He uses his body, the body, the human body, as one example. He uses a building. And in in two verses I want to share with you because this is an effective church that understands this. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 21, in the picture of a building, so he likens the church to pieces of building material. And he says this, In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. That's what God is doing in growing his church. We're all part of the body, the building, and as we are fitly framed together unto a holy temple, that means that's what God is doing. But we have to be fitly framed together. And that's not so easy, is it? When you have misunderstandings, when you thought someone meant something else when they said this, or by someone's silence they didn't see, you know, miscommunication breeds suspicion every time. You know what the devil is? He's a sower of discord. He wants to put thoughts in your mind to alienate you from one another as Christians. Please keep that in mind. He's very active in doing that. Sowing seeds of discord. Now, Ephesians chapter 4 is another example, but he uses the human body, where we are all part of the body. And he says this, I've quoted this endlessly, and it's wordy, but I love this verse. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. That's like a three-part message right there. But if you and I are growing as he is building his church, Charlie mentioned a Bible study this morning, doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but we are growing to become more like Christ as we do that. The key is fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. You connected to the local church. I know that most of you are here, so (laughs) yeah, you're connected. Some of you online, uh, you need to be connected. You say, I am, I'm online, and that's good. We're glad you're joining us. But the key is, and again, in order to follow Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17, you can't get to that last point if you have no connection to a local body of believers. When it says, tell it unto the church, There's no way you can follow Matthew 18 by communicating with the universal church. It's got to be a local body of believers. So, our challenge. We want, remember going, going back to that phrase in Corinthians, that there be no schisms in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. We have a responsibility to one another. And when it comes to people problems, we are, we are responsible to do our best to try to work things out with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And if we love them, that's going to show. So, Proverbs 26. Yes, it is about the tongue. 
But you know what? More than that, it's about the human heart. That's really what Proverbs 26, verses 17 through 26 is all about. It's really about the heart. Because we're talking about somebody that does not show love to other brothers and sisters in Christ by using their tongue appropriately. So let's look again, Proverbs 26. Last week, we looked at trans, the transgression. And that's really the when we violate Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15, if your brother trespasses against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Uh, there's another verse in Proverbs 25 and verse 9, which is synonymous. Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself, and discover not a secret to another. But then there's the flip side, and that's verse 17 here of Proverbs 26. He that passeth by and meddleth with strife belonging not unto him is like one that taketh a dog by the ear. So there's the idea that when we have a gripe or a problem with someone, we need to try and work it out privately first. But then there's the other aspect that we have a responsibility to encourage believers to work out their problems with one another before they come to us. So there's a flip side to this that so many Christians don't realize. In fact, I just quoted Proverbs 25 and verse 9, Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself, and discover not a secret to another. The very next verse says this, Lest he that heareth. That's the guy passing by meddling with strife that doesn't belong, lest he that heareth it put thee to shame. How does that happen? When you and I tempt other people to take up our reproach, we're not following Matthew 18 or Proverbs chapter 25. In fact, we can, with our own tongues, tempt other people to take up our reproach by just violating the law of love in dealing with problems with other people. Don't do that. And don't let other people do that to you. If they try to get you in uh, to take up their offense, you and I have to be so wise. If we love whoever the person is we're talking about, if we love them, we're going to stop the person right there. Lest he that heareth it put thee to shame. Whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. Have you talked to so-and-so about this? Most of the time the answer is, well, no. Then we're not really loving them. So that's the transgression. By the way, uh, a verse, parallel verse that I've quoted often is the kisses of an enemy. And this verse, this passage here, I said it's about the heart. See, really what the writer of Proverbs is doing is he's demonstrating that There's going to be people that speak love, but by their actions are not loving you. You ever hear that statement? And this this really would be a summary of Proverbs, this text here in Proverbs 26. You ever hear this? Your actions are speaking so loud that I can't hear a word you're saying. Now in this verse it would be this. Your words behind my back are speaking so loud that your words in front of my face mean nothing to me. That's 
my own paraphrase there, but that's the idea. You get it. You know, if somebody tells you they love you, and that's what this person is. This is someone that dissembleth with his mouth. Remember what dissemble? It's an old English word. Similar root word is the word resemble, but dissemble is the opposite. Dissemble is when you give a pretense, or it's really when you play the hypocrite and show love. It's what this passage is all about. In fact, look at it. Proverbs 26 and verse 18. As a madman who casteth firebrands, arrows, and death. Now this, this is a picture that James will use in his epistle, the half-brother of Jesus, when he talks about the tongue. He'll use this idea of fire. The, our little member can, can start a huge fire. And here it says, As a madman who casteth firebrands. In other words, we're talking about an archer. Here's someone that has, a, in, in the old days, in Bible times, they'd have archers. I guess they still do. Uh, they would shoot their arrows but the, the arrows would be on fire. You know, the fiery darts of the wicked one, that's the picture of old-time military where they'd literally shoot darts that had flames on them. And here is an archer that is out of his mind, is not a disciplined warrior, but is just randomly shooting firebrands anywhere. And what happens? Well, someone that does that is also casting firebrands, arrows, and death. You and I would not want someone with a weapon like that, fiery darts, just going around shooting indiscriminately. It it will cause mayhem. I get the picture. These little, see this tongue? It's like a bow and arrow. And you and I, we shoot little words out. And sometimes... If we're shooting fiery darts, if we're, if we're um, bad-mouthing someone else, even just, we're just, oh, I'm just talking, I've heard people say, oh, I'm just getting something off my chest. Huh. Yeah, well, you have to be so careful of that. Because what you, your idle words, remember what Jesus said about every idle word? Sometimes your idle words can cause untold destruction. And that's like a, a, an archer that has no, he's not in control of his mind and he's just going around wildly shooting firebrands. That, there's people like that. They just go off half-cocked just saying whatever they want and, and it's like they're setting fires all over the place. Don't you be that person. As a madman who casteth firebrands, arrows, and death, so is the man that deceiveth his neighbor. Now we're all getting down to this. We've got someone that has a heart problem. But they're not saying it. They're dissembling, and we'll, we'll see some of the pictures here. But we've got someone that's got some real animosity towards someone else, and they're not being honest with themselves or anyone else. So is the man that deceiveth his neighbor and saith, Am not I in sport? Now it's going to tell us later in this text. And Jesus, in fact, this, there's a passage in Matthew 12, verse 34 and 35. Jesus said, Out of the abundance of the heart, 
the mouth speaketh. Then verse 35, he said, A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth good things. When you got someone that's motivated by love, they're going to say all kinds of stuff that blesses people. You ever meet someone? In fact, I mentioned the idea of bad-mouthing. You know, bad-mouthing is a thing. You ever hear anyone say, complain that somebody's good-mouthing them? You know, I, I think there's a thing. You know, I, when I still, I still in, in some ways, I'm still a child, and I'm still loving, living under the dominance of an older brother that would pick on me. And so, in, and sometimes... If I feel frustrated, if I'm not praying to the Lord and saying, Lord, are you going to allow this guy? Sometimes in my mind I'll go, Mom, Jimmy's picking on me, you know, and I have this attitude. And it's like, could you ever imagine, I don't know if I ever complained, you know, Mom, Jimmy's bad-mouthing someone or bad I can see that. Never complained on my mom that somebody was good-mouthing someone. Because that's a good thing, right? You good-mouth someone, you're going around praising them and blessing them. You don't find that in any of the lists of sins in the New Testament. What you do find is bad-mouthing. In fact, let me give you a verse here. Or five. No, I'll just give you one or two. You ready? I can see, I can feel your excitement. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 gives a list of really bad sins. I mean, you're talking about extortioners, thieves, drunkards. And then you have this word, revilers. What's a reviler? It's It's listed with some pretty bad sins there. What's a reviler? A reviler, in fact, it's the same word that's translated... Elsewhere, in 1 Corinthians 5.11, as the word railer. You've heard of railing accusation? And it's, also, it's the same term, it's the same idea as when we whisper, when we tailbear, when we gossip. Slander is another synonym of this. Listen to what one lexicon gave for the definition of this, this Greek word here, found in 1 Corinthians 6.10 and 1 Corinthians 5.11. A railer is a reproachful man or woman. A person of coarse, harsh, and bitter words. Whose characteristic it was to abuse others, to vilify their character. See, when you let off steam and you're bad-mouthing someone else, you are vilifying them, you are reviling them. Folks, that is not a good thing. That is a testament to you more than the person you think you're vilifying. We learn more about a person's character by how they describe others than anything else. People will learn your character by how you describe other people. Don't forget that. If you've got someone that's going around saying nice things about you, but they're slamming everyone else, I think that person may have a heart problem. They may be struggling with some bitter bitterness. Again, what's the definition of a railer? A reproachful person, someone with coarse, harsh, and bitter words whose characteristic it was to abuse others, to vilify their character, and wound their feelings. It's an interesting part of the definition. 
the words of a talebearer, what's this text say? Are as wounds. And they go down into the deep innermost parts of the belly. Let's contrast that with the other proverb. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. How can wounds, wounds are wounds. Aren't they? I mean, wounds hurt, don't they? But you know what? The ones that hurt, where they care enough about you to tell you to your face, they have a problem with you. We all have problems with one another at times, right? Or are you going to tell me you're the exception? Okay. <laughs> but if we're going to love one another, we're going to do it right. So if you bite the bullet and go and tell someone the problem that you have instead of anyone else, that's called faithful. As opposed to the kisses of an enemy. That means you're saying nice things only to that person and you're saying what you really feel to other people. That's where we have a problem. That's Remember, we're talking about one person here in Proverbs 26. And this is a problem. A person who is wicked. His wickedness shall be showed before the whole congregation. What's the wickedness? His hatred. His hatred in his heart. So let's again, look Proverbs 26. Uh, verse 22. The words of a talebearer are as wounds. They go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Burning lips, by the way, burning lips, the idea of that, burning or fervent, the idea is that the, someone that speaks warm words, burning their affection, it's a positive thing. Burning lips are when you say nice things about people, when you're effusive about praise. By the way, don't forget what the Bible says. He that flattereth his neighbor setteth a trap for his feet. I think I'm misquoting that exactly, but you get the idea. What is flattery? Flattery is an exaggerated compliment with a hidden motive. It's an exaggerated. When we get too effusive, when we start praising someone a little too much, and we're all, we're all vulnerable here. Because who doesn't like to hear their song? Their, their, who doesn't like to have praises about them, right? I mean, we're vulnerable when someone says, You are awesome. You, I mean, you are the best person I know in this area. Man, you are great. You and I, come on, tell me we don't let our guard down. And we're like, you know, I always liked you. Well, let's be careful, because sometimes burning lips, what's it say there? Burning lips and a wicked heart. David had someone like that. And he wrote about that person in, in Proverbs, Psalm 55. Uh, many believe he was talking about his trusted counselor, Ahithophel. But here's what David said about this person. He said his words, the words of his mouth were smoother than butter. But war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil. Yet were they drawn swords. See, just because someone is saying nice things. Their, their lips are burning your praise and they're singing great things about you. It's not always an accurate reflection of what their heart is. So what do you? how do you avoid that? Well, you can do one thing. You can just not believe anything anyone says. Anyone that says something nice, you're lying. You can just accuse them of being a liar. And then, well, that would be safe, right? But folks, there are people that genuinely love you who really mean what they say. 
Have you gotten so cynical that you doubt that? But also remember that there are some people whose character, it's their nature. They're going to say nice things in front of your face, but there is war in their heart. They have no love. And that's the person we're talking about here. Verse 23, burning lips, a wicked heart, or like a potsherd covered with silver dross. In other words, it's like a broken piece of pottery that's worthless, but it's covered with beautiful silver. Go to a pottery store to get a nice vase. And there on one shelf is a bunch of broken, it's a broken vase, but it's all covered in silver. It's like, wow, that's, I know it's broken and useless, but man, it looks so pretty. Love the, look at the silver on that, it just sparkles. It's useless. And so when you and I are not genuine in our words, that cheapens the value of what comes out of your mouth. So are you a bad mouther or are you a good mouther? Do you go around bad mouthing people or do you go around good mouthing people? By the way, let me back up for a minute. We got I got nine minutes and thirty two seconds. And um I read it, read this this young pastor. He's it's a pastor that's relating when he was young in the ministry, and he made this statement. He said, "In the fall of 2000s, this is a young guy. I was just beginning a year long pastoral internship when I made an error in judgment. The senior pastor took me for a walk, confronting me and making sure I understood the implications of my mistake. Ouch." The interesting thing about that conversation, this man says, and what I remember most, is not the confrontation, but the grace that was offered to me. The pastor made it clear that he was having that conversation with me only because he cared about me and my future. He wrapped his comments in such love that even though I was being confronted, I could hear him. And consequently was willing to accept his words of counsel. And then this man says, that, my friends, is the goal. Truth should be so wrapped up in love and grace that it can be heard. Truth should be so wrapped up in love and grace that it can be heard. Ah, wait a minute. If truth is wrapped up in love and grace it will be heard because that person will go to you first. That's what real love is, right? You know, we, we, kinda, we have that agreement. When you become a member of Bible Baptist Church, there's even a statement, I wish I'd copied it down here, in our Constitution about not, I forget, it, is, it addresses the tongue and it's pretty nicely worded, but when you become a member, you, you enter into a covenant with one another that you are not going to go spreading bad reports about one another. You're going to follow Matthew chapter 18. I find comfort to know that people that want to become a member of Bible Baptist Church are going to, you know, they want that for themselves. I want that for me. Don't you? I mean, you didn't join this church thinking, well, you know, I know nobody gossips there, but it's okay if they gossip about me. Uh, No, you want that about all of us. It's part of trusting one another, is it not? So then we, the, the treachery is verses 18, 24, 18, 23, 24, 
25, look at verse 25, Proverbs 26, 25. When he speaketh fair, fair is like, you know, a fair woman, it's beautiful. It's when someone says nice things. When he speaketh fair, believe him not. I'm saying what I mean. Okay? Prove it. Remember, your, your actions speak so loudly that I can't hear a word you're saying. Your words behind my back speak so loudly that I can't hear a word you're saying to my face. That's the idea of this. Look at verse 26. Or again, 25, when he speaketh fair, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart whose hatred is covered by deceit. Beware of the person that is only giving pretenses to you, but does not Give a lick about you. His hatred is covered by deceit. His wickedness shall be showed before the whole congregation. Now, let's jump off to the cure. Okay, we're going to finish here with the cure. Verse 20, or the treatment. Again, we have had the transgression, verse 17. The treachery, the middle part of this passage. And now the treatment, beginning of verse 20. Here's the treatment. Where no wood is... There the fire goeth out. Now remember, remember this illustration of the, the fire is the, the tongue, the bad-mouthing. Where there is no wood, where, where there's no gossip, the tailbearer street, it, there, there's no more tailbearing. Verse 21, as coals are to burning coals and wood to fire. Okay, let's here's a picture. We can understand this. Let's take a steam engine. You ever been on a steam engine, maybe in Strasbourg, and they're you know, constantly putting coals in the furnace, and then that generates the steam that moves the thing, and, and the, the, whoever the fireman is, it has to constantly put the coals in the furnace. Because the burning coals, but if you stop feeding the, the fire, you stop putting coals on there, what's going to happen? Eventually the train's going to stop. Right? Because the fire goes out. What a picture. Same with, you know, as wood. Again, it goes um, where no wood is, the fire goeth out. As coals are to burning coals, and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. So we're talking about a character problem here. We're talking about somebody that is, that's sowing seeds of discord, that has animosity in their heart. That's the idea. It is natural for someone who is sowing strife to just go around putting coals on the fire, feeding and fueling the fire. You will come across them. I will too. Don't be them. Don't be them. How do you stop gossip? You don't add, you don't put fuel on it. It's as simple as that. He that heareth it will, will, you know, lest he that heareth it put thee to shame. So you're not only not listening to this garbage or the bad mouth, you're pointing the person back and dropping it. Let Leviticus 19.16 says, Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. Neither sh- So th- we're not supposed to be talebearers. So... Our challenge 
is to examine our hearts. Because really it's, it's really not a tongue issue, it's really a heart issue. And if you and I have hatred or animosity towards someone, uh, we've got to deal with it at that level. Because remember what Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. It's so easy for us to... You know, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We had a dear brother who's... If I mention this name, any of you that have been with our church for years would know this is a precious brother that we love. And he's been worshiping us with us online. And uh, he heard about our need, that you know, Peg Rogers heater. So he wrote a check to the church and to help with that need. What a blessing. It never got here. And, he, he, and so he sent me a text. He said, hey, uh, you know, I sent a, sent a check here. And we ended up going back and forth. And uh, ended up, somebody cashed that check. And they, it was written to Bible Baptist Church. I saw a, a, you know, a snapshot of it. It was written to Bible Baptist Church. And then some random lady put her name in there. And I look at that and you think, that, you know, what bank teller would ever accept that? Here's the key. There was no bank teller involved. It was a mobile deposit. Yeah, you've got to be careful of that now. And uh, so this dear brother, almost said his name, went to the bank and dealt with it. And um, as we're talking about this, I made this statement to him. And I, because this is such a rebuke to me, I said to him, um, just short words, I said, hopefully they nabbed the person. I mean, I hope they nabbed them. I mean, I'm, I'm talking justice. That's just not right. You, you sign a check over to the church, you know, I'm like, uh, you know, like David, off with his head, you know, that idea. Nab- I, so I said, hopefully they nabbed the person. You want to hear what his reply was? Listen to this. He said, it's all about our Savior and serving our neighbor. I am not on about punishing someone, but saving as many as possible. Did you get that? Okay. Here's what the pastor said. Hopefully they nabbed the person. Here's what the layman said. I'm not on about punishing someone. It's all about our Savior and serving our neighbor. I want to see as many people saved as possible. Talk about a rebuke, you know? And it made me realize, boy, did that put me in my place? I'm like, never mind. You ever have that where, you know, it's so easy for us to get worked up about things. I'll close with this. There's a, it's important that you, real, you and I realize we have to accept responsibility for our tongue and the damage it's done. Remember, the words of a talebearer are as wounds. So where you and I have violated that, it's important that we not only seek forgiveness, but because we're really, it's, again, it's not about the tongue as much as it is about the heart. What's the problem with this guy in Proverbs 26? He's got hatred towards someone. So if there is real repentance, that hatred, if it's going to turn into love, so here's the, there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. I want you to understand that. I read a quote recently from a wife who um, had issues between her and her husband. Uh, some wives would leave their husband in this scenario. 
she rather uh, decided to fight for her marriage. Here's what she said. Her, I don't, I don't even know who this person is. Just reading, she's married to a guy named Michael. In this article, she said, "Of course, I could have forgiven Michael without continuing a relationship with him, because forgiveness only requires one. However, rebuilding trust requires two. It requires a relationship and at least the start of reconciliation. Boy, that's good. I want to read that again." Because, folks, it's one thing to go and get something right with people. And, and sometimes we have to confess, you know what? I didn't have the right feelings there. I was not motivated by love. That's why I said the wrong things. That's why I did it the wrong way. That's why I violated Matthew eighteen fifteen. Forgive me. But if you and I are genuine Christians and we love one another, the body of Christ, how are they going to know that we are disciples? By their love one for another. We'll be committed to more than just forgiveness But reconciliation, we will do whatever it takes to demonstrate that we love that person. Because up to this point, we've communicated just the opposite. That we don't love them. Let me read it again. She said, of course, I could could have forgiven my husband without, without continuing a relationship with him. Because forgiveness only requires one. That's, by the way, that's so you don't get bitter. However... Rebuilding trust requires two. Is your brother or sister in Christ worth the commitment of working things out? It requires a relationship and at least the start of reconciliation. I close with this, and I know my time's up. Don't forget that... The Bible says, "Live pe- uh, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. There will be some people, you cannot force yourself on, on, on brothers and sisters in Christ. So you and I have to do the best we can to love people. You and I are going to get hurt. And there will be people that will snip, snip the, you know, the heartstrings. They have no interest in reconciliation because a lot of times it's because they really couldn't care less about you. Is that your problem? It's their problem. Our challenge is to be ready to forgive, but also be a little discerning, folks, and make sure you use your tongue in a loving way to your brother and sister in Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, it's, it's so easy to preach something like this. It's so much different to live it to practice it. And Lord, as we have found out over the decades, it it, it can be a challenge for believers to live peaceably with one another, to love one another, to esteem others better than themselves. But Father, your, your church is worth it. As the head of the church, Lord, help us to realize that we have an obligation to one another, to love one another, And to demonstrate that love. So Lord help us. Help us to put boots. To these truths. And we'll thank you for it. We pray in Jesus precious name. Amen. Let's take our hymn books out.